need to often be reminded as God's children we should be reminded of the things that God has done for us and that's what we'll be talking about this evening and we I'm going to use an illustration from the Old Testament that uh, deals with that kind of subject turn in the book of Nehemiah to chapter 8 Nehemiah chapter 8 Remembering what God has done for his people. You remember that the children of Israel, children of Judah especially, were carried into Babylonian captivity. They spent uh, 70 years in that captivity. And then under the leadership of Zerubbabel, in 538 B.C., the first wave of those people, of the people of Israel, people of Judah, returned to their homeland, the land of Palestine. <clears throat> and their objective in that was to build, rebuild the temple that had been destroyed when Nebuchadnezzar conquered the city and carried the people of Israel off to captivity. So now they have returned, and Ezra and Nehemiah write about that. Ezra and Nehemiah were, uh, they were associates with each other. They spent some time together back at the homeland, back in Jerusalem and in Palestine. But here in the eighth chapter of First of all, the eighth chapter of Nehemiah. We're told that all the people gathered together as one man in the open square that was in front of the, was in front of the uh, water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. So Israel, so Ezra rather, so Ezra, Ezra the priest, brought the law before the congregation of men and women, all who could hear with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. Then he read from it in the open square that was in front of the water gate from morning until midday before the men and women and those who could understand and, their, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So Ezra the scribes stood on a platform of wood which they had made for that purpose. And beside him and his at his right hand stood, and he names the different ones, of, especially of the Levites. In verse 5, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. For he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. That's interesting. We usually sit down when somebody starts to talk. But they stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. We're lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord their, uh, worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And they so they read distinctly, verse 8, from the book, in the law of God, and they gave the sense 
and help them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra, the priest and scribe. Ezra was both a priest. He was the descendant of Aaron, the, high, the first high priest. Ezra was a priest, and he was also a scribe. And the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. It's interesting to me. These people have been away from for, for years and years. In fact, there were years before they were carried into captivity that they didn't pay much attention to the law. That's the reason they were carried away into captivity is they became unfaithful to God and they began to be mixed up with idolatry and so forth, many things that were in con contrary to the will of God. And now these people have been persuaded that they ought to listen to God and they're interested in it. And they began to, uh, they began to manifest their emotions because of now they're listening to the law of God. Well, they, it said further here in verse 12 that all the people went their way to eat and drink to send portions and rejoice greatly because they understood the words that were declared to them. And on the second day, the heads of the fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and the Levites were gathered to Ezra the scribe in order to understand the words of the law. But then we are told in the last part of this uh, eighth chapter that they read, of course, where this was the very time for the Feast of the Tabernacle, some call, sometimes called the Feast of Trumpets. That was in the fall of the year, our fall of the year at least. It would have been in September, October of that seventh year. And so they are now ready to listen more to God's will and God's law. Well, what happens next in chapter 9 is that the Levites began to pray to God. And in this prayer to God, they give a history of what God had done for the people of Israel. For the people of Judah. And I began at verse, uh, in the middle of verse 5. Well, in the first part of verse 5, then the Levites and Jeshua and Cadmiel and Benai and Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodijah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah said, and here is their prayer Stand up. And bless the Lord your God forever and ever. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all the blessing, above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all things on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve them all 
though the host of heaven worships you. So he begins by pointing out in this prayer that God was the one who created them. He is the one that created the heavens and the earth. He is the one that made all of these things and has given us all these provisions that we have had. And then he goes on from that. In the next section, he deals with the Abrahamic promise. It was given to the people of Israel. And this even affects you and me till this day. For as Paul said in Galatians 3, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now in this particular statement that he makes to the people of Judah, he's placing emphasis upon their uh, possession of the land. But that was part of the promise that God made to Abraham. But he went beyond that, of course. And in this he calls to their attention. You, oh, you are the Lord God, they say to the Father of heaven, who's, who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees, gave him the name of Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Girgashites, to give it to his descendants. You have performed your word. You have performed your words, for you are righteous. Notice what he's talking about. He's talking about the land promise. And they say to God, you have performed your word. There are people to this day that say that God has never given the nation of Israel that land. A good part of the religious people of this country and of the world are saying that God has never given them this land. In this prayer, they say, to give to his descendants, you have performed your words. And he's talking about the land, the land of these Canaanites that he brought them into. And then in the next section, he talks about their, deli their deliverance from Egyptian bondage. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt, they say to God, and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, and against all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted proudly against them. So you made a name for yourself as it is this day. And you divided the sea before them, passing through the water. So they went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and their persecutors you threw into the deep as a stone into the mighty waters. One of the passages we talked about in the study this morning in Bible class was, by faith they, the Israelites, passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. The Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. Why the difference? It says by faith Israel marched through. How does faith, why was, the, why was there a difference between Israel and the Egyptians? Well, God told the, the Israelites to march through. He didn't tell the Egyptians. Faith comes by 
hearing God's word. Then in the next section, he comes to Mount Sinai. They come to Mount Sinai and talk about what God had done for them there. You came, verse 13, you came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go in and possess the land which you had sworn to give them. So God had made all of this provision for them. And now these Levites are in the presence of the people of Judah. In this prayer, they are thanking God for what he had done for them here. And then in verse 13, Oh, no, verse 16. But they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks. Remember what happened after God told them to go in and possess the land. They balked. Many of them turned their back on, the, on that promise. Even, as he said here, they refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. They said, let us make us a captain and go back to Egypt where we were. They weren't faithful to God. But you are God, they say to the Father. You are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. In spite of all that they did, God has been very long-suffering to his people. And we can learn from that. He is long-suffering to us, even though we cannot turn us back upon, our backs upon him and hope that we will receive his blessing. Even when they made a molded, molded calf for themselves, God was still patient and said, This is your God that brought you out of Egypt and worked great provocation, yet in your manifold mercies you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day to lead them on the road, nor the pillar of fire by night to show them light and the way that they should go. You also gave them good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manner from their mouth, gave them water for their thirst. He fed them and gave them water miraculously even, providing those blessings to them. Forty years, you sustained them, Father, you sustained them in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Can you imagine walking in that terrible desert for 40 years? All that could have happened to them, God's protection was there. And then he reminds them further. 
their possessing the land that he had promised after all these 40 years and of the much disbelief and so forth that they were guilty of. Moreover, you gave them kingdoms and nations and divided them into districts so that they took possession of the land of Sihon, the land of the king of Heshbon, <clears throat> and the land of Og, the king of Bashan. That's on the eastern side, <clears throat> the portion that they possessed on the eastern side of the Jordan River. <clears throat> Excuse me. You also multiplied their children as the stars of heaven and brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to go in and possess. You had told their fathers to go and possess. They said no. And God punished them with 40 years of wilderness wandering. But now he's telling the children, those that were 18 years old and under, or 20 years old and under, that he did not, of course, uh, bring the judgment upon. So the people went in and possessed the land and subdued before them the inhabitants and subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they would. So God gave them the power to overcome these people of other nations. And they took strong cities and rich land and possessed houses full of all goods, cisterns already dug, vineyards, olive groves, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and delighted themselves in your great goodness. Oh, they enjoyed the blessings that God had bestowed upon them. But what was the result of that? Nevertheless, when you have that word nevertheless, you better watch out. Something is not good. Nevertheless, they were disobedient. Even after God did all of this for them, they went back into rebellion and rebelled against you. Cast your law behind them, behind their backs, and killed your prophets who testified against them to turn them to yourself. And they worked great provocation. One example we could think of, think of the trouble they gave Jeremiah. Even putting him in a dungeon one time, in deep mud, in a well, a water container. And uh, he thought he was going to die there. But God arranged for his being delivered from that. Therefore, you delivered them into the hand of their enemies because of this disobedience and unbelief who oppressed them. And in the time of their trouble, when they cried to you, you heard from heaven and according to your abundant mercies, you gave them deliverers who saved them from the hand of their enemies. What's he reminding them of here? The period of the judges. Fifteen judges from Othniel to Samuel. And over and over again, 
they would go into sin and be unfaithful to God and he would allow the enemy to come and conquer them and they would live under for a while under the power of the enemy. They would start crying for help and God would send them, send them a deliverer called Judges and deliver them out of the hand of their enemies and restore them to their land and to their governance. But they would do it time and again through those years. And God suffered with them all through those, all through those years. But after they had rest, they again did evil before you, before you. Therefore you left them in the hand of their enemies so that they had dominion over them. That's what we were just talking about. Uh, so yet when they returned and cried out to you, you heard them from heaven. And many times you delivered them according to your mercies and testified against them that you might bring them back to your law. Yet they acted proudly and did not heed your commandments, but sinned against your judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. And they said, that statement is quoted in the New Testament, which if a man does, he shall live by them, God's laws and rules. And they shrugged their shoulders, stiffened their necks, and would not hear. Yet, for many years, you had patience with them. This section we're starting to read deals with God's patience with them through the years of the kings and the captivity that they have just been through. Yet, for many years, you had patience with them, they tell the Father of Heaven, and testified against them by your spirit in your prophets, Yet they would not listen. Therefore you gave them into the hand of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great mercy you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them. For you are God, gracious and merciful. Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who keeps covenant and mercy, do not let all the trouble seem small before you that has come upon us. Our kings and our princes, our priests and our prophets, our fathers, and on all your people. From the days of the kings of Assyria, this gets down now to the time of they begin to be carried away into captivity. Remember, Assyria carried the northern kingdom away into captivity. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. What, do they mean? what did they mean by that in the prayer? They're acknowledging to him, what happened to us was not, our, was not your fault, Father. It was our fault. However, you are just in all that has befallen us, for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done wickedly. Neither our kings nor the princes, our priests nor our fathers, have kept your law, nor heeded your commandments and your testimonies, with which you testified against them, for they have not served you in their kingdom, or in the many good things that you gave them, 
or in the large and rich land which you set before them, nor did they turn from their wicked works. And he has reminded them in all of this of the captivity and the much suffering that they went through through the years. But these Levites that are conducting this prayer, they are reminding the people that the fathers and those who went before them and even many of those that are listening at the moment were guilty of being the reason why they've suffered all of these things that they have suffered and yet God has given them opportunity even now to repent further. So in this last part, we're near the end here of chapter 9 and that's where we're headed tonight. Here we are, they say, servants today and the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its good things. Here we are, servants in it. They're back in this land now. And remember that Nehemiah came back. Ezra came to try to restore more obedience. They had become wayward. You know, one of the things that happened when they came back from captivity, it was not long before they began to intermarry with the idolatrous people of the area, of the land in which they were. And of course, that didn't help them. So they said, here we are, servants today, and the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its good things. Here we are, servants in it, and it yields much increase to the kings you have set over us because of our sins. Also, they have dominion over our bodies and our cattle at their pleasure. And we are in great distress. It appears to me that they're even acknowledging in that statement that the reason they got in trouble was because they asked for a king when God was their greatest king, the greatest king that they could ever hope for. And because of all this, we make a sure covenant and write it. And our leaders and our Levites and our priests seal it. What are they doing? They're making a commitment. They're praying that the people are going to make this commitment and seal it. That they're going to be faithful to the God of heaven. I think this in their in their sight in that day was a very important time when these leaders of the, the priests and the Levites began to really emphasize to the people who had returned from captivity how important it was to listen to God, to obey his statutes, to obey his laws. The reason they had gotten in trouble because of their turning their back upon what God commanded them to do. And so they were rededicating themselves, rededicating themselves to the service of God. And we saw that in the attitude they had toward the reading of the law. They weren't asking to be liberated from the law. They were listening long hours and it continued, the reading of the law continued daily, the public reading of the law. And they were weeping and at the same time rejoicing 
that they could hear these words. So they're recognizing, at that time at least, they were recognizing the importance of it. And as Ezra and Nehemiah and the Levites reminded Judah of what God had done for them, we need to be reminded often of what God has done for us. This would include the teaching and the preaching and the gospel and the New Testament of what, God, of what God has done through his grace for us and through Jesus Christ. But it should emphasize to us the importance of our being willing to obey, have, have the faith to live the kind of life that God teaches us to live through his word what he has commanded us to do. Be reminded of the things that we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The life of Christ and his birth, his life here on earth, and then his suffering of the death on the cross and being resurrected from the dead and ascending to the right hand of the throne of God and God fulfilling his promise through this one to establish the throne of David, God's throne that David had occupied in the past, only it would be changed from an earthly throne to a heavenly, to a spiritual throne, referred to in Hebrews 7 as the mountain, and Isaiah as the mountain of the Lord's house. But in Hebrews 12, you come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled or registered in heaven and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of God and the spirits of God is of course made, brought alive and in that he said see that you do not refuse him who speaks from heaven that's verse 25 of Hebrews 12 and so we are reminded that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for instruction, for teaching, and so forth. That the man of God might be complete or perfect, completely furnished unto every good work. John the Apostle says, whoever transgresses as does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. Remember, brothers and sisters in Christ, you no doubt have had the experience many times of talking with relatives or friends or neighbors, people that you may have gotten in conversation with, with regard to religion, with regard to the Bible, and you ask them a question. Or you say something to indicate that you do not believe that what they are believing and practicing is according to God's will. And one of the first things you will hear them say is, well, where does the Bible say not to do that? But what these statements, what we're reading, emphasizes to us, when you have that opportunity, say, no, the question is, where does God in his word, where does God in the Bible tell us to do that? Where does he command it? Where does he authorize it? Give me book, chapter, and verse. 
where he authorizes it in his word and emphasize to them that they can't, unless they can give that passage or unless they can manifest that by the scriptures, they're doing the same thing that the Israelites did that caused them this great trouble in old times. So the Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ. Do all in the name of the Lord. What does that mean, in the name of the Lord? The policeman knocks on your door and says, open up. In the name of the law. What do they mean? They mean that the law has authority to tell you to open up. And you ought to obey that. That's what in the name of means by his authority. It does not, absolutely does not mean think up something you want to do for God, even though you can't read about it in the Bible. And say, I want to do this in the name of Jesus Christ. No, that's rebellion. That's not acting by the authority or in the name of Jesus Christ. So, he invites us to come to him, to follow after his teachings and after his will. We need to be reminded, as we often are, of course, to be reminded of how important it is for us to follow the divine revelation. And if you're here tonight, listen to the bidding of Jesus Christ as he spoke to the church at Laodicea in the first century and said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. In other words, I will have fellowship with him and he with me. But it's based upon what? The Lord's not going to knock the door down. He's not going to knock the door of our heart down. We have to accept him willingly. And he's inviting us to do that. If you need to respond to the invitation of the Lord tonight, come right now as together we stand and sing. Just as I am without one for me and that thou bidst me come to Come in that needs to partake of the Lord's Supper. All right, be seated and recall.